Season 5, Episode 14. Happy New Year, Clough. Happy New Year. So this is our fifth our fifth Happy New Year together. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I guess it is. Um, I don't know if we've ever podcasted on New Year's Day, though. I think this is the first time that this is happening. I don't remember. We should we should have done we should have researched that ahead of time. Oh yeah, right. That's funny. <laughs> Not happening. Not happening. No. <clears throat> so, how did you guys ring in the new year? Movies. Everyone picks a movie. Um, we stay up to watch the ball drop somewhere. Uh, Karen and I have some sparkling wine. The kids, the last couple of years, we've picked them up some dealcoholized or non-alcoholized sparkling sort of cider. So they had their thing. Um, in the past, so we did the movie. Okay, so we did the movies. We also have decided that fried chicken is a good idea on uh, New Year's. So we did Popeyes this year. Delicious, excellent choice. Um, and we also got some cheesecake from a place called Supermoon which uh, Japanese cheesecake to me, it just tasted like good cheesecake. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I'm not, I don't, I don't chase the cheesecake, uh, but it was, a, it's a very good cheesecake. And then 1202, I was asleep. <laughs> that's, that's, it was that, that tight actually during. So we, the, so the movie list from yesterday was in order of watching. We watched a uh, diary of a, of a wimpy kid. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, I always mix this up. Is it Batman v Sur Superman or is it Superman v Batman? So I watched know, that bro. one, which was like two and a half hours. That was a that was a big big one. And then then we watched uh, White House Down. Oh, you know, who picked that one? Uh, Karen. Nice. Karen, yeah, it was. Um, I will tell you that you know. So I don't know when that is. Two. I'd have to do a quick search. Two thousand thirteen, maybe. I gotta check that out. When White House down? Hey Siri, do your research. <laughs> what year did White House Down come out? I didn't get that. Could you try again? What year did White House Down come out? Which one? Yeah, two thousand. That's what I figured. <laughs> Thanks, Siri. Go back to sleep. Um, so it's two thousand thirteen. And sometimes, you know, one of the things we noticed, because in the past we've, well, once, once and a half, we watched Die Hard. That movie has not aged well. It has not aged well. Um, you know, the whole staff party, there's a whole lot of kind of misogynistic, hypersexualized, lots of F-bombs. Like, it's just very much the epitome of late 80s action hero, right? <clears throat> Yet still holds a place in people's hearts as like, that's a Christmas movie. Um, uh, but White House Down, the the jokes are on point. The kind of like, like it just it, it aged well for like a like a an eight year old action movie. Um, Channing Tatum, endearing. Jamie Fox, the president. Whole lot of sort of like other actors that I recognize as being bad guys in other series since then. Like there's just recognizable. Uh, sort of B-list actors that, you know, they pop up in these movies where there's got to be a bad guy that loves guns and is hyper-aggressive. 
yeah, so we watched that. That was the third movie. And then the fourth movie, the fourth movie uh, Maddie picked, we watched Doctor Strange. That's a really good movie. It, I, I sometimes, I some of the Marvel stuff, last year it was all Marvel. It was all Marvel we watched last year. Um, Doctor Strange is a really good movie. There's a lot of really nice parts to it. And it's funny because we watched the DC movie and a Marvel movie in the same night. DC and Marvel do humor very differently. Very differently. DC's humor really is about like like pointed kind of angry sarcasm. Like it's just it's not it's not very kind. Marvel is a lot more self-effacing in its comedy. Um and even even the bad guys, the villain in Marvel movies have lines of just kind of I would say joyful humor. Like they, they just manage, it's kind of like part of their brand. So um, we started, I guess, around two o'clock in the afternoon. So, and um, started watching the movies, doing other stuff too. I mean, people grab showers. We did a little bit of cleanup around the house, you know, taking care of a few things, but we always coming back to the family room uh, to watch the next movie. And then, so we finished up at about 1125 and then people kind of got their pajamas on. I sort of went and did my sort of evening routine. I come back down at about quarter to 12. Um, Ryan Seacrest is on TV. That's a really, it's funny. Maybe everything now happens after midnight, but like that's a whole lot of lameness. Only only because Seacrest and his, and his co-host just walking through the crowd, constantly doing pump up kind of like conversations like it just felt like a big waste of 30 minutes and then they're talking about how um after midnight all these acts are coming on i'm like well 1202 bro i'm hitting the sack so ball hit the ground kiss 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 around the family hugs and i'm just like see ya and i went to bed <laughs> i'm out they were still kind of messing around downstairs so i could hear the kids settling like i think i was no, I was I was still awake when Karen crashed, but yeah. But I was I was out. I was probably I was asleep by 12:15 easily. How about you? <laughs> That's and I will tell you, here's the thing I will say, that is my ideal New Year's Eve. Like yesterday as far as a New Year's Eve, hanging with the fam in my own house, I can use my own bathroom, I get all the snacks that I want. Um I just realized how not me you know here's what happened i'm sitting there i'm watching so i'm watching this batman v superman superman v batman and i'm thinking to myself how did i not know when i was a kid or younger and i was jonesing for to sort of be out kind of out there doing the whole buying a ticket to see a band to do the, the everything that was sort of like that going out thing and and i realized like that's not really my personality like i'm not i'm i'm far more introverted i think we maybe talked about this a little bit last week just the whole like i don't crave those big crowd things so this isn't about it's not as much um there's elements of the pandemic that work very well with my personality and this, this sort of reminder, as I'm sitting there, sitting there, you know, 
checking my my Twitter feed, writing a little bit of poetry, and thinking about having another another Popeye's chicken leg, right? An hour after yeah. dinner, like what am I gonna have for a snack? Like this is a, it's funny. Like this, I wish I had discovered this type of a New Year's Eve long before, long before now, because I did not have any sense of this being a possibility for New Year's Eve, and still to feel like it was a good New Year's Eve, and still to feel like this is what I wanted, right? So. What you just said there is the 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 answer to the million dollar question, right? That you actually understand now what works for you, and it's funny like when you're kind of some of the things you were saying is almost like you never knew you had permission to do it this way, kind of thing. Um, at my house, it was a mixed bag. Uh, we had we had gotten takeout um, Thursday night. So last night, I was just like, I wasn't interested in going out to get any food. So I said to uh, to my youngest, "Hey, go to the freezer and see if we have any we have any French fries because I know we have cheese and we have um, gravy, so we can make I can make poutine." And nobody nobody had an issue with that. So we had poutine for dinner, um, and then. I, we were watching football. Uh, my wife was watching uh, TV in another room, shows that she likes. And then at midnight, uh, none of us were. To, we were. I was in. My wife and I were in bed. The kids were in bed at midnight. Um, I was watching <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation because I just happened to look up at the clock on my iPad and it's twelve oh two, and I'm like, "Hey, Happy New Year!" I'm in bed watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, it was just the the lazy laying around the house, hanging out like you, but not as organized with the movies and the food and whatever. We weren't that formal. I think I'm feeling like my family's out of gas with all that. It's like uh, it was just, uh, I think my youngest was having some issues. And so my wife said, I can't wait for school to start. And that's like, oh, geez, you know, never utter those words kind of thing. It was just... It was nothing special. And I wonder what that will do to my kids as they get older and progress through the stages of New Year's Eve um, in a societal fashion, right? Like I can, you and I probably went through the same, the same trajectory. Like when you're a kid, you watch your parents celebrate it at home. Then as you get older, you go out with your friends and now we find ourselves in a place where we are more than happy to stay home and hang out at home, have some good food, and literally be in bed right after midnight, if we even make it there, right? Like sometimes there have been years where I've not made it to midnight. I've gone to bed at like 10 or whatever, wake up, and it's the new year. Um, you mentioned this last week, though, I think. I think we, we landed... I'm a mashup. I don't know. Or maybe it was when we were, when we, maybe it was, um, wait, is this? Okay. So maybe it was during 12.5. Maybe it was during 12.5, but we, you and I talked about a little bit about, I think the sort of the kids table perspective on holidays and how, as you're a kid, what you sort of, what your sense of whose holiday it is kind of being sent to bed, being sent to bed, um, 
while the while the party's still ongoing kind of thing. So I think there's there's an element there of like I don't think I ever really completely figured out how I fit into um a New Year's Eve as a kid because there wasn't because there seemed to be some sort of c- celebration going on with the adults or they were going out or a babysitter was coming over and we were being kept at a distance for the celebration. So I wasn't building any sort of fluency. It was, it's the kid's table mentality, right? And all you really wanted to know was what was going on at the adult table. I remember this from the Christmas perspective. Um, Christmas perspective, the kid's table for us was a, was a thing. And me being the oldest cousin, I was aware of what was going on at the adult's table in a way that my younger cousins weren't. So I was aware that they were sort of drinking alcohol. I was aware that they were smoking cigarettes. I was aware that they were playing cards. I was aware that they were gambling, right? I was aware that they were swearing in Polish, but like telling like jokes and kind of ribbing each other. That was sort of like the, the, uh, what was going on. And at the same time, then I'd look over at, you know, my cousins and they're talking about their kids' TV shows. They're talking about, um, they're talking about when Santa's going to come down the stairs, which was what happened in, in our house. Santa came down the stairs. Santa didn't, like, all of a sudden at one point, Santa would just come walking down the stairs from upstairs every year. And it's like, oh, like, you not, for us, it was like, came in through a top. Like, at some point, I can remember going upstairs to see. And I will tell you, the, the, the Santa was really really shrewd and sort of mapping this out because there was a window open upstairs. Oh. So, you know, in my in my history, you know, there was or window was open a crack. So it was sort of like like there was some shrewdness in how um the Santa got in the house because there we our house didn't have a chimney. Well my grandparents' house didn't have a chimney. So Santa was coming in through the window. Which even as I'm saying it is a pretty like that's a uh well i guess some people might have an issue with that but it was just the way it went right but i mean i didn't spend a lot of time kind of analyzing that that was just again a part of that transition between being at the kids table and the adult table but i was always i was aware i was the first one aware and i had no one to share that with i'd be like i'd be sort of at the table with the kids and i'd be looking over at the the adult table and then i'd look back at the kids i'm like but they didn't see what was going on. Like they had no fluency to notice. And New Year's Eve was very much the same way. I mean, with my younger sister, there wasn't any sort of like, what do you think? Where do you think they go? Like what's going on at New Year's Eve? Like I never had those conversations with her to sort of suss it out and whether or not that would be part of our future. So um, trying to discover, you know, what New Year's Eve would be for me. I mean, all through university, you know, I went and, started to do that you know you go to a bar buy a ticket whatever the band comes on you're dancing and singing but i don't have a lot of when i when i try and when i dig back into my memories of the the fun factor Mm -hmm. you're right knowing what is fun to me now i have a far clearer perspective you know it can still be momentary i get it like what i could perceive as being fun right now as a 50 year old is is different than the 10 years from now But what I think has changed is more my confidence to express why it's fun and what it, what it, how it feeds me. I wouldn't have been able to do that 
um, as clearly, definitely when I was in university and sort of chasing the party. I was chasing the party because that's what the pack was doing, right? That's just kind of just what you did. But I didn't really have any threads to say why it is I did it too. It was just because the pack was doing it. And uh, that's what I really enjoy about like this is is if this is kind of midlife, this is what I appreciate about appreciate about the wisdom that I now have is that I can confidently, as I'm telling you, I can tell the story about staying home, being in bed ten minutes after midnight, but hanging with my family. And I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to believe that anyone listening to that story, even if that wasn't their night and they had a fun time the night before doing whatever party thing they did they could hear in my voice they could hear in the story that that's that's a very happy evening that sounds like it's very satisfying it didn't feel like i was sort of taking from their experience at all it's just you know a story that made me happy and it really did it made me very happy to sit there and crack jokes with my family to shush each other like Shh, stop talking stop Shh. talking like and you realize that you were just talking two minutes before like all the silliness that you sort of play out when you sort of hang with your family so a very good New Year's Eve. And what's, what's, I guess for some people, like they, I have some colleagues that have just, like they're just coming back from major holidays. Like I could see their posts <laughs> and they're rolling in and having their, you know, their New Year's Eve. But what's interesting, it's just part of a process of celebration in, in these two weeks off that, New Year's Eve is just kind of like one of the spots that they're landing on. So they've had this big, bold kind of a holiday. We traveled once over, over Christmas or just around Christmas. We actually went down to Arizona to visit uh, Karen's brother, which was, which was awesome. Little known fact, it's the only time I've ever got to fire a gun. But I'll just uh, I'll leave it at that. There's footage out there somewhere. Um, but it was cool. Yeah, it was very cool to go do that. But back to New Year's Eve, we sort of there was no there's there hasn't ever been a kids table, not a formal kids table in our sort of celebrations. We've always done it kind of together. Tried to find a way to do it together. Cool. Yeah. Had I been up, had I been up faster this morning, and I wasn't really up fast enough, I probably would have had some chicken for breakfast. Nice, nice. Right, that's a thing, isn't it? Oh, dude, this is this is something that works well at my house. The leftovers uh, the next morning. Yours is tricky, though. Yours I'm is tricky, bro. Well, because I think you've shared in the past, like you'll go to bed, you'll go to bed. And then wake up in the morning, and sometime in that seven-hour span, those leftovers are gone. Yes, so that's so you're in a different zone than me because I know those leftovers are still up there. Like, so yeah, my oldest um, sometimes has a difficult time minding his own uh, territory, I guess. So we. Um, Okay, so I guess I'm referring to the kids, not really to me. The kids really enjoy that. Like my youngest, so my wife made spaghetti and meatballs this week, homemade meatballs, which she never does, but she did, and it was it was good. Um, and there were leftovers, and my wife said, okay, this is going in the fridge. Nobody's eating this until tomorrow. This is kind of like lunch tomorrow. 
and my oldest obeyed, but my, my youngest, the next morning, um, I come downstairs and he's like, dad, I'm like, what? He goes, can I eat some spaghetti for breakfast? I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, well eat half of what's left over. Cause the other half's your brothers. He's like, okay. So it's like nine o'clock in the morning and he's eating spaghetti and meatballs, but there's just something about they, they both love this next day, especially if the dinner was really good the night before. Yeah. Will it survive the night? Maybe not. If it does, then they're all over the next morning. And then, so, so that happens. We go through the day. I don't know what happened during the day. And then the next morning comes and he's like, Ben didn't eat his spaghetti and meatballs. Can I have them for breakfast? I'm like, I guess. So then he's having this like huge meal um, at 9am type of thing. It's, it's something. And everybody in this house is into the leftovers the next morning. I, I like to do what you do. I like to go in like a couple of hours after the fact and, uh, and grab what's there. We had pizza last night. We ordered pizza in last night and the leftovers belong to my wife technically. So we all stayed away from the pizza. And then last night I noticed she was having a snack and it wasn't pizza. So I said to her, Hey, the pizza that's in the fridge, is it like free for all kind of thing? She's like, yeah, you can have it. And my mouth started watering. Let me tell you why. Reheating day old pizza in the uh, air fryer is, is epic. Now, I know people have talked about reheating um, the old pizza in the oven or a toaster oven because it, it's not like the microwave. It doesn't just give it a shot of, it doesn't just heat it up. It like crisps the crust and the cheese starts to bubble again. Like it did originally type of thing. And as soon as she said I could have it, my mouth started watering. Dude, I wasn't even hungry. It's just, there's pizza. It's new year's Eve. I I, I wanted to put that pizza in the air fryer and reheat it. So like three minutes at 385 from the air fryer. And this pizza was hot as heck and tasted better than when we got it yesterday. And then my little one, he's eyeballing me. He's like, is there any left? I'm like, nope, <laughs> it's all gone. It's all on my plate. It's mine back away. And um, <laughs> that was the only reason that any of that happened was the, the television show I was watching. People were eating pizza. I'm like, I think we still have some left over. And if my wife didn't eat it and lo and behold, I walk into the room and she's having a snack and it's not pizza. Um, so in my little brain, it's like, okay, that means the pizza, she's not interested in the pizza anymore. That means it's free. The kids aren't around. It's mine. <laughs> and that's how fair game. Yeah, it's fair game. So I totally get what you're saying. Um, in my house, we roll that way. I don't know how you've trained your kids to not eat things that don't belong to them. We're trying. It doesn't seem to work over here. Um, and yeah, the the fifteen year old, like we're in bed and he's wide awake, and only God knows what's happening in the kitchen and in the basement. Like we said to him earlier this week, like we're all in trouble here. All, all our sleep has gone to it's gone out the window in terms of like waking up at reasonable times in the morning for work and school. 
so I've been harping at them both about guys like, well, this is before our government made the decision that the kids weren't going to go back until Wednesday. I was like, guys, Monday morning is going to be difficult for everybody, especially you two, considering like you're getting up at like 8.30 in the morning. And my son's school start, both of my kids' school start before 8.30 in the morning. It's like, you guys are going to have a rude awakening when I wake you up Monday morning. And they're just like, dad, we're on vacation. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But do you have no mindset that you need to recalibrate now? Like in my head, again, there's start the va- start the vacation and you've, your sleep routines are still there. As I work through my vacation, my sleep routines go out the window. But then there's a recalibration the last, you know, three or four days. Or at least there's an attempt to recalibrate. These two, there's no attempt. They're like just full bore. We'll pay for it when we wake up for school and we'll let the days reset us. And I'm like, I guess I just, I get tired thinking of the reset. And so I try to get ahead of it. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 you know how I roll. We've, I've mentioned it. Like I just, I've been keeping the same schedule. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, there were times where, yes, I did sleep in. Um, I won't say that it was, it wasn't really intentional to sleep in. Like, I think I I, I dropped you that polo saying, like, I forgot what days we were in. So I sort of got up, started doing my morning, and I forgot to put out the garbage. Right, right. So that, the resulting, that result, because of the way that it fell within the weeks, like, I had to then load the car up because we had a lot and I drove to the dump and that decision cost, you know, the family money because you have to pay 10 bucks when you sort of take it to the, the transfer station. Um, but for the most part, I've, I've kept my schedule. I've, I've been getting up between five, five thirty. I'll do some reading. I'll do some writing, check socials, do a few, um, do a few like, uh, kind of chore things that can be done like at five that early in the morning. So typically I'd be doing something in the basement, kind of adjusting, cleaning, doing stuff down here just because it's far enough outside of the uh, the echo chamber. Like it doesn't make it all the way upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, but I think that really has really, and again, my intent is to have a little bit of work, a little bit of play each day, right? And it just... depending on what's demanded of me there are days where more work is demanded of me so i have left less time to kind of have the fun stuff um but it doesn't change my intent to kind of just keep it even if i'm on vacation um i do try and do a little bit of work um so that it reminds me that even on those weeks where i'm doing work it's funny i don't (laughs) i don't have to remind myself as often when i'm in my work week to do something that's kind of fun it's not as it's not as uh, challenging um but definitely when the rest of the family like that type of peer pressure is tough like the rest of the family's just chilling out and i you know don't think to myself oh like when i see them just relaxing to be the heavy and say okay got it like you okay i know i'm getting all, all blurty on this but like even to sort of enforce the framework of my kids taking care of their chores and they have chores right cleaning their rooms taking care of the cat um 
reloading the toilet paper in the house like there's stuff for each day no joke like there's stuff for each day that's kind of on their kid list of chores that they're supposed to take care of this this week in particular everything's been loaded up for the weekend like they just they've left everything to the weekend so what's funny is that by not chipping away a little bit of it their chores don't disappear they just now have to take a full day or like three hours in order to get the stuff done i get this as an artificial deadline to a degree like clean your room on friday versus clean your room on the on the monday but i've just found we found to have it non-negotiables and this is a day when you just you need to take care of it so that it's part of your operating system is better than to kind of do it as well it looks like it needs a clean like to just notice that it needs to clean seems to be far more stressful than trying to sort of make it work on the regular so um yeah so yeah, we've, I guess it was more me enforcing that you got to get out and move. So I told them flat out, you're not using my, my Xbox unless you get out and go for a walk, go get some movement on. So yeah, that's where I'm going to punish you by trying to be a parent. 2022 baby, 2022. It's weird. It's always weird for me to say the new year for the first month. Why's that? I don't know. I just get used to, in my old age now, sometimes I don't even know what year it is. Like, I was writing something a few months ago, and I wanted to call it 2020. And I was like, uh, I don't think it's 2020. I actually had to look at my calendar. Like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's 2021. So if I was having problems with 2021 a month ago, it's going to be hard for me to think 2022. It just is. It always has been for me. Hmm. I've got so many external reminders of the time and the date. I just, I don't even care anymore. I, I think I was in that same space. Um, yeah, I think I was in that same space. Like that somehow the time and the date mattered. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it does. I think I'm starting to fall more in the, I don't know if it does camp. Maybe that's why, I mean, sort you know, that and that whole like making a thing making a thing about the the millisecond of change between the two years. I guess I just I have to put it back into that protect the weekend kind of a thing. Like how can, well, because like if it's just another moment, then if it's just another moment, then that's why I'm in bed by 12.05, right? Like I'm not, I don't need to sort of keep cheering keep cheering on the transition to 2022 the um i also feel like there was no you know for me to sort of some of the um planning planning and plotting and like the strategizing to sort of make sure that that moment means something um I don't, I just, I don't know if I'm prepared to do that work anymore. It's funny. I think about yesterday and all we really did, not all we really did. We did stuff in the morning, but there was a big chunk of our time just sitting as a family watching movies like that as a new year's Eve activity. I'm thinking like, I would love to do that just on a Saturday. <laughs> like we just, everybody picks a movie and then we just sit there, eat, take out food and hang out. Like it's not mm -hmm. something that, and heck I'll even go get the bubbly, like the, 
get the the sparkling juice for my kids and some champagne or sparkling wine for Karen and I. I'm just like, here's what we're going to do. We're having fried chicken and sparkling drinks and we're going to watch movies. Let's do it. So, because we'll have the time. Mm-hmm. We have the time to do it, right? And that's about as hard as I'm going into 2022. Maybe it's just a reminder that everything that we did yesterday, we could do, we could do stuff like that anytime. Maybe not as long, but we could come home from work. Mm-hmm. Someone brings in the takeout, watch two movies, and crash by 10 o'clock. Like it could be done. It's just another night. And for me, when I hear you talk like that, it's just about the time to do it. Like the having the time to do those things to sit together or to just lay out watch a movie have takeout mm-hmm. it's almost like people some people carve out that time like okay it's new year's i don't have to work i don't have to da 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 it's like can you try to carve that time out at any any other weekend or weeknight right it doesn't even have to be a weekend it doesn't yeah it can be a weeknight um yeah, I'm I'm over the whole like year change thing. It's just another day. Um, pet peeve or New Year's resolutions. I think they're BS. You can make a resolution anytime you want. Um, but that's just me and my journey, right? Like, if if it helps other people, great. Like, do what's going to work for you. I guess I don't like the commercialism part of it. I don't like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know exercise machines go on sale now and gym (laughs) memberships drop now so then they can go up in a month and a half and you may feel shame in trying to cancel it so you don't so you know gyms probably have a third of their members actually come in and work out and they're getting paid the other two-thirds is just money coming in monthly because of new year's you know so yeah i'm not i'm not a fan uh, i'm not i'm, I'm not, not that guy i'm not that guy i'm, I'm not that I'm guy. the other guy <laughs> the other guy i also so, don't always want to be the party pooper either right? why do like, you say that why do you say the party pooper what's because the because it's a bit of a party pooper thing to, to what like Oh, New Year's is just another day, and it's, well, it's, I think that's you. And sometimes I, people do it to try to steal away the thunder of other people's enjoyment. Me, I'm right. just to me, it's it's not a big deal. That's all. I, it's been a big deal in the past. It isn't anymore. There's there isn't a lot of. I mean, well, no, there. Sorry, it's changed. It's changed. I was about to sort of. I was about to sort of address my social, my social media network broadly. I've noticed more. Like I haven't. I haven't noticed any, maybe today's the day that it happens. I haven't noticed any one word postings. Well, I have. I did oh, have yesterday shaking my head. I was just like, here we okay. go. And I'm I'm a big party pooper with that one too. Big party pooper. But you know, if it's going to work for someone, they're going to do what works for them. It's not for me. I don't pick one word now. I've got lots of words that come and go. Yeah. And that works for me. So, yeah, lots of words. It, I guess maybe so broadly, like my, my, um, my social media feed, like I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I haven't seen, well, let's just see. I'll call it up just to see, make myself 
I haven't I haven't seen any one word postings in my feed at all. Like not a single one. Not yesterday, not today. So it may pop. It may pop up. So we'll see. But that's but the one word also I think also falls into that whole idea of whatever whatever um escape velocity people sort of are gaining by declaring the sort of like the gravity of 2021 into 2022 like there's a whole slingshot effect right that as we transition you know these big moments big moments in our life one of the ways to sort of think about making change i sort what's that um Atomic Habits book is it James Clear. Like that's that's popping up a lot in my feeds. People talking about wanting to wanting to read that. Um, you know, I have a like I have a one sentence summary for that book. Um, don't know if I should because spoiler alert. For me, it's just about the the one 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 thing. Do one thing differently. That's it. Do one thing differently. And just, you don't even have to assess the outcome. Just do one thing differently every day, every minute, pick your time frame, whatever. Um, and see what happens as a part of that. And then you'll start to sort of see the change happens, right? And that's my whole, the whole thing of the whole habit changing is a little bit like sitting at the kid's table and recognizing that there's something different going on over there at the adult table. That is curious to you and that where you're at the kids table is no longer curious to you. Not, it's not a like, or don't like, it's just, it's a little bit more about for me about the curiosity. And so you have a choice. What's the one little change you can make? Well, eat your dinner faster and then maybe go wander around the adults table a little bit. It's funny. Cause there's assumed rules there, right? Like there was never anything. I was never told. I was never told I couldn't wander around during the meal, right? Eat and wander around. But I think about how I assumed I had to sit there until everybody was done. Now, some families do roll that way. Stay at the table. You don't get excused, whatever. But the kids' table was like forgotten. I think the assumption from the adult side, never got a chance to ask this, but I think now from, you know, as an adult and having my own children, how many of the things that we sort of expected the kids, we kind of just expect them to absorb the rule by observing it. We don't actually say the words per se. Sometimes we do. Maybe more people do, but we don't often. It's like, you know, we sort of will just kind of expect that they bring their dishes to the sink or they just kind of expect that they use a napkin to wipe their face and not throw it at their brother and sister. Like these are sort of like some of the unsaid norms in the families. So one of the unsaid norms was just the kids had to eat at the little table. The adults would eat at the big table. And then we'd figure out what the next activity was afterwards. Well, when I got in that gray zone of noticing, well, if I just did like one thing different, I could actually, I could actually go over there and look to see what they're doing. And I did notice they had different food on their table than we got. They had, like I said, the brandy. I think I told you about this. My grandfather making brandy. Uh, they, he had tons of that. So they were drinking the brandy. The deck of cards was on the table. Um, somebody was smoking while both people were eating. Like that was, there were leftover. One of the things my family did, and it was funny, I didn't, I had a hard time processing this. My family, the adults would do this. The kids didn't. My grandfather would get um, the unleavened bread, the host like the Eucharist, they would do Eucharist at, at Christmas and they would each, all the adults would snap off a piece from this large sheet and they would each go to each other 
and wish each other, you know, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And then they would give the Eucharist to each other. And it was mind blowing to me because we're I was sitting over the table like, what the hell's going on over there? What are they doing? And there's a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and all that kind of stuff. Um, I only got to participate in that one year and I don't remember why things changed. I think I think a big part of it sometime in that time frame, my grandfather died and that changed the whole dynamic of what Christmas looked like. Like he was sort of like a cornerstone in that. Um, not at Christmas, but he died in that year. So that changed Christmas for everybody as far as my grandparents hosting it. Um, but back to that, where we started this, that idea of like making change during, you know, you sort of imbue New Year's Eve as a powerful, um, like almost like a charm in your life. And like, now you're going to make the change. I mean, lots of people have talked about this. You talked about it from the gym memberships. All of us are waiting for our credit card bills to come in. The bill gets paid in January, which in some ways... That's not what we're really looking for. We're not looking to pay bills in January. We're looking to launch and do something differently. But there's a pretty stark reminder that there's a cost. There's a cost for that, that you have to make it through. Mm -hmm. So just doing something different, I think, is a, a way better way for me to spend my time moving into 2022. And to find moments of to really... Um, pause just a little bit longer in those moments where I noticed that there's an opportunity to do something differently. Like even me saying to you just now, what I did yesterday for new year's. Yes, it was a new year's activity, but my takeaway is like, I want that to be next Saturday. Now I don't know if my family will be down for that because here's the party pooper element of it. If you suggest that you do something um, that's sort of like a celebration out of sync with things that everyone else want things to be a celebration, then you become a little bit of the weirdo. Like I have friends, actually not friends, but I have people that I know, we're not really close friends anymore, that will do like double birthdays in the year. They'll kind of do a half birthday and then the full birthday. I have friends that have moved their kids' birthdays to a different time of the year because of that, because it's too close to another celebration. I also have other friends that celebrate Christmas in July. Like they'll do a second Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, so you start moving around your New Year's Eve celebration. Well, maybe here's what the, the way you sell it is that it's not a New Year's celebration. It's just a, it's just a way to have fun. So the thing that we did yesterday um, where we got together as the fam and we sat and we did fried chicken and movies, like that sounds like a pretty good Saturday. Heck, it sounds like a pretty good Tuesday night if you can make it happen. So maybe that's that's what the thing for me moving forward this year is, is because it's nothing new. There's, there's nothing new that I'm trying to add or take away apart from something that I can do as an individual, which is just notice that opportunity. This could also be midlife crisis talking like, Ooh, fewer years ahead than there are behind me. So I got to make sure I'm making the most of every moment. I don't know. I'm not a big habit changer. I find like the problem with me is that I just add new habits. I actually don't, I don't get rid of any. <laughs> it's I just I don't get rid of any habits I just keep adding another one and they get they compete they compete for for brain space and time in the day are you a better habit adder or a habit remover you got me thinking about that now I'm not 100% sure um so it makes me confusing to my family I, 
there are some I really should get rid of. <laughs> we can say that. We can say that for sure. It's part of it is the the skill set of it. Maybe the skill set of it. Like, are you are you better at stopping doing one little things or better at adding one little things? Which for me is kind of like the heart of habit habit management. Let's say. That's me, really adding. Good. I'm so you're good I'm, at adding. Yeah, I'm such an I'm I love novelty. Like I'll add it in and out, and then it just kind of die. I guess for me, I don't actively remove. I just let it die on the tree. Okay, I guess line, yeah. I'm I'm good at adding and dying. I'm good at that. Yeah, I'm good at adding things. They die, but I've got some bad ones that just continue that I really should remove, but don't. And then I believe they serve some purpose, right? We, you and I have talked about this. We do things that serve a purpose, whether it's positive or negative. We get used to that, and then it's tough to break those habits. When you're told to, it's funny, you know, when it's when someone someone else notices it. <clears throat> maybe that's maybe that's well, I don't know. I'm trying to ease into that that sort of like state of my relationships where people will actually mention to me my habits. It bursts a really interesting bubble, right? Having people talk to you directly about your habits and having a bridge there for someone to walk across to ask you about your habits. And how do you do that in like, what's the respectful or like, what's the criteria for having those conversations? Cause it's the, it's in the not talking about it at all. That problems kind of pop up, right? You sort of, you're 10 years into doing a thing and someone's like, Oh yeah, you've been doing that forever. You're like, what kept you from mentioning that? It's a little bit like the, I think in the on-ramp, we were talking about how um, there are times when, well, there are times where, you know, I feel like I, I get the sense of like my personality crashes other people's creative process. So they'll ask me a question about it and then I go off on detail and then I leave them kind of more rattled than actually, um, realized like i don't help them understand themselves i just i'm probably laying down a laundry list of why i wouldn't do it that way mm -hmm. um that's a really bad habit that's a really bad habit um because i find it doesn't allow sometimes i don't even realize the conversations that i don't get to have after that because <laughs> people just won't talk to me karen and i were talking about this the other day our next door neighbor way back in the day their oldest now is a I don't know if she's she's a doctor or a therapist, but she's gone into medicine, something. Um, and she came over. It was like I think she was in she was in grade twelve, and she she called the house one day and she's like, "Hey, can I come over? I just need some help with an essay." And uh, Karen and I both like I think overwhelmed her like just with the feedback, like it didn't help. And she was like, "Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, appreciate that." And she never talked to us again like ever, ever again, like for the rest of the remainder of the school year. Like I think when I think back, like even kind of a, like where our driveways are side by side, mm -hmm. probably even avoided us like on the driveway. Like, oh, those were those two crazy teachers that just so many, so many rules. I just wanted something simple, a simple response about the framing of this essay that she was writing. Um, so that's a, that's a habit, I guess, that I could be more mindful about. But it, it, But again, noticing it, 
noticing it is helpful. I wish more people, I wish I, cause here's the thing. I can't expect someone to call me out if I'm not building a relationship or offering up that safety to be able to call me out. So maybe that's where I need to focus. Opening myself up more to the possibility that someone creating opportunity. I maybe this means I need to do more foolish things. Mm. I do so many foolish things that someone inevitably will have to comment on it and say, Clough, you really need to stop those habits are just not working. They're not working for you, Clough. Here's the true test of whether or not I've absorbed I've absorbed the date. Your art. January 1st, 2022. You know what a, a nice little surprise was? It's kind of What's funny. That? Sure. Yeah. The, the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch last night, I just checked it before bed and I sort of tapped the screen and it had fireworks on it. Oh, it's nice. It, it's that little celebration, yeah. I'm sure yeah. Tesla cars did something too. I've heard about these things. Sometimes they're they're display screen or whatever. Like there's something that um my buddy posted on socials the other day um i guess christmas his tesla was doing this like christmas thing the light it was playing music christmas music and the lights were flashing red and green and the windows were opening and closing it was like a christmas easter egg thing <clears throat> it's um I don't like it when my car is smarter than I am. Well, I was about to say there's there is a frightening element of that, isn't there? There's a frightening element that that can be like that's the whole. There, there's 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 more than enough posts online about people being able to kind of low jack your your vehicle, um, being able to sort of do something with the coding and the CPU on your vehicle, um, and then you just kind of you look at it, you're like, oh, but that's cute when it's mine, when it's yeah. coming from the when it's the mothership, right? It's it scares me a little bit that there are people at Tesla whose job is to probably create these Easter eggs. Like they're sitting around having a candy bar saying, Hey, wouldn't it be cool on Easter if your car did this? Like they're, you know, or on Martin Luther day, your car did this, like just whacked stuff. Push out the code. Just push out the yeah, code. Push out the code. So is the art ready for us to view this morning? Yeah, you can check it out. Decoded glue stick, invisible, washable, <clears throat> avoidable, reversible habit adhesive. Nice. I like the colors. I noticed you made a small glue stick too. You didn't make one of those jumbo ones. Yeah, it's yeah. It's got a. It's got. A, it, I guess pocket size. Maybe I should have put hideable. I could have put hideable in there. That glue stick. That habit glue stick. What makes it stick? Right. Right. What makes it stick? So, go ahead. As far, as, I was just going to say, as far as you know, this the Saturday, the the first Saturday. Okay, how about this? The last thing I'll put to you. I'm curious. Um, does today feel more like a Saturday? From before, like, is there? Does it feel actually like a Saturday? Or does it feel like, does it feel like the still part of our December break? I was thinking about that as I was sort of waking up this morning. I was like, does it feel, 
it's kind of a I don't I don't have a great way to say it, but does it feel like does it feel like one of the weekends leading up to the break? Because we just had we just had many, many days of differentiated living. <laughs> and but today we're back to we're back to Saturday. Like we're back to today's Saturday. And as soon as we place that, Saturday means that tomorrow Sunday. And then it also then means that at some point it's Monday. So what does today feel like to you? It certainly does not feel like a regular Saturday. It does not feel like a ramp up to the weekend. It feels like a ramp down of my break. Okay. So it doesn't feel like Saturday to me. In fact, I see it as, oh, geez, I only have two more days of the rest and relaxation that I've become accustomed to over the last two weeks. Because really, this break has been a complete reset for me. Mm -hmm. Complete reset with no, uh, no feelings of guilt about not doing certain things or going to certain places. It's literally just been two weeks of hibernation and today it is a saturday today but it doesn't feel it just feels like oh i only have two more days left of my hibernation i need to come out you know wear real clothes again and like have to talk to people and have to go places and do things that i didn't do over the last two weeks that's what it feels like to me the um someone in my feed the modest teacher twitter feed what got me thinking about this is they, they posted up thank god it's saturday now part of that <laughs> i i don't i don't have a measure of you know what sort of is feeding into that the this person i don't i don't know even for sure i don't know enough about them to know whether or not they actually are a teacher um they're followed by other people in edu um i don't know if that's somehow a comment on you know the news feeds being down like i don't know what the i don't know what the the source code for that statement is but it got me thinking about just as a named day what how does saturday sort of feel um it's a very intense we're coming out of like a little bit of that where reality is kind of like there's a reality well we talked about this i think last week just the idea that even though we were on a two-week break not everyone's a teacher so you go out and there's other people living their life working working interacting there's a whole world out there that exists outside our edu bubble um and i think it's the it's the transition that feel of transition that can feel like a little bit stunning over the summer, you know, we've got the physiological, all the physiological responses of, you know, people start to have school dreams, they start to have, uh, you know, some anxiety about organization, all that kind of stuff that happens in the last week of August. But you get sort of like you have it, I think because we we have the eight weeks over the summer, it take you have about a week's worth of those kind of transitional ideas, the kind of the thinking, the lack of sleep, you know, is the car gassed up, are the backpacks ready, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're getting a micro dose of it coming out of this two week stretch. And, uh, part of that is acknowledging the fact that yes, in fact, today is Saturday and it's a Saturday 
not like last Saturday, because this Saturday means in two days, people are back in their EDU spaces. And it definitely feels different. Um, but just to officially name the day is what makes it kind of interesting. We officially, today is back to a Saturday that exists in a seven day frame, which means that it is two days away from being back at school, whatever people's school version is. So. Um, before we go, I'd just like to say two thumbs up to our provincial government who again decide at the last minute to let uh, education staff families and students know exactly what's happening when we yeah. return to school i love it that they're they've been consistent at letting us know at the last minute what yeah. uh, what they would like from us i don't i we 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 called we called this we uh, we claimed it at some point you know we can and if our listeners can go and sort of find that that index that conversation but we talked about this like what the next thing's going to be and i think we both landed into the space of the the new conversation is um what's it like to live with covid like we're not in a sort of like prophylactic stage anymore like we're not trying to keep it away from ourselves it's now the living with it and um suck it up buttercup like it is a i'm getting that sort of feel right my buddy called it the we're in the phase of you're on your own phase with covid yeah yeah, dystopian novels have been based on this moment, right? Yeah, it's big time. <laughs> big time. This was, this was the moment. The moment. The moment, right? So um we we move we move forward with the tools that we got. Um, they were they were okay with people dying before. Now it's a matter of hey, just let's go back to normal. We gotta make money, we gotta roll the way we have always yeah. done it. People are gonna die. It's like they're tired of trying to find other ways to tell us people are going to die and we don't care. Now there's like, it's like the disguise for that is gone. It's like, no, mm -hmm. people are going to die. Just get back to work. You know, we're, we've been doing this for two years. We're tired. Just go back to work. People are going to die. People are going to get sick. We don't need you to report it anymore. You know, just if you're not feeling well, just stay home for five days. You don't have to do the 10 days anymore because you're costing us a lot of money. So just five days now. I have the memories of like, how hard people were pushing back on Trump's idiocy talking about, well, the only reason that we have more cases is because we're testing and trying to sort of move through that logic. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. It, okay. So we, we see more cases because we now have a tool to see those cases, but those cases are still out there, even if we don't happen mm -hmm. to see it, but you're saying the problem is that like you're making some flawed connection between people being sick and the fact that we're noticing that they're sick and that's the problem our government is moving into that exact same space mm -hmm. like they're in that exact same space that they've now so just to give a context right right around my house you've seen that we have a hospital very close to my house yes right across the street from the hospital was the the pcr testing space oh, the okay. COVID testing space and up to yesterday yesterday there was nobody there for the last two weeks the lineup's been down the street. So as of yesterday, they're no longer having the data about the actual number of people that are sick out there. Mm -hmm. So we're officially not going to look at data and infection rates in order to justify th that people have to go back to work. 
and sure. somebody says, but there's a lot, there's a lot of people infected with COVID out there. Probably one of those sponsors is like, well, we don't have the data to support that. <laughs> I'm like, we know because you stopped do, doing testing as opposed to people that are, I think it's chronically ill, immunosuppressed. Like there's criteria that you have to meet. And then it kind of circles back to, well, how do you get your PCR test in order to go back to work? So you're telling us to go back to work, but workplaces are saying you have to have a PCR test. They're going like to have to change that because now yeah. we're not allowed to have a PCR test. I so, know. So they're going to have to, protocols are changing to fit the... Something's going to happen. Go happen. back to work. We know people are going to die. It's okay. So workplaces, th- stop asking your employees for a PCR test because we're not going to let them have one. Yeah. Or, and and there's not going to be the staff to fill. I mean, we already ran into this prior to the uh, December break. That there are not there are enough teachers schools. to do the job. So just yeah. go to work sick. Well, now they're talking about, you know, condensing cohorts. Yes. We also know, I don't know if your board, my board had this, like superintendents were going back into schools to support schools. Like superintendents were going in, consultants were going in to schools to support school-based activities. Principals were teaching classes before we left for for the break. It was quite, it was was a, a regular occurrence to see one of my admin walk into a class to cover a class. So I think I, I, I'll, I mean, I'm biased. I have an administrator in the family, but I know like what they're moving into on Monday um, is definitely di- going to be a different flavor of hell from whatever I perceive to be my challenges in working with my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those uh, logistical and bureaucratic uh, tasks that they're going to have to take care of in order to sort of launch Monday and Tuesday. It's a Saturday. It's officially a Saturday. <laughs> There's no more space between the work and us, right? Apart from, I am happy though we got groceries yesterday, so I don't have to pick up groceries. We admitted though we got groceries on on Friday. We picked it up yesterday morning, um, which kind of sets up an interesting kind of weird shift, which means we probably won't make it through the full week next week mm. without having to pick something up. But uh, we just figured, you know, screw it. Go get groceries. Get them done. I don't mean to belabor this, but how excited are your kids that they don't have to go to school until Wednesday? Or does it not really matter? To They're them? nonplussed. My my kids uh, both have said they want to be in school. They both, both said they want to be there with their friends. They're really, they are concerned about um, being at home. My son is a little bit more, so my son is more like, I can learn at school. I can learn online. I can do either. So he's, uh, my daughter's in her grade eight year. So there's that conversation. Um, her concern goes right to the, what if she doesn't stay very long in what is she goes right to what if, what if we don't have a proper wrap up to the school year? So, um, others have moved through it. We'll just move through it as, as, as we do on the daily basis. Where are we at now? Where are we at now? So I'm sure Dougie will say something in June, no matter what's happening. Oh, in June, he's going to be like, well, because the election's in June. So it is rolling up to June. I'm sure he's going to be giving, he's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch him and his team navigate between now and June. Uh, I told you there was only one way he's getting my vote and that's uh buck a burger program. If he can pull that off, I think I'm in. He can have my vote. But uh, the great thing is, is that you don't. You might not even have to necessarily vote, and you could still get the the Bucker Burger deal. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, it could happen, and you could still honor your 
whatever your 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 truth is but if it is if it is a truth for you to get but what would that would that buck burger be any good right that's that's part of the fun of all of this is that even buck a beer the beer was going to be garbage and yeah. nobody was on board because they couldn't make the beer for that and sell it and make a profit out of buck so which made Simpler me laugh times, because eh? it's like he didn't even talk to anybody about it because all the breweries were like, especially the microbreweries were like, we can't, we can't do that. We could barely make ends meet with the beer we're making now. And Clown Face wants us to sell it for a buck. <laughs> I like that Clown Face. Yeah. I've got other things to call them, but I can't do it on the podcast. So, well, I don't want to do it on the podcast. But anyway, um, it's just gong show where you know in my opinion we're at the yeah wear the mask at least wear the mask but we don't want the numbers anymore we don't care it's true it costs too much money is we've spent a lot of money and they haven't they've gotten money and not spent it on any of this but whatever um i just really hope people wake up and are like no dude you're not getting another term it's the waking up on friday bro we talked talked about that before waking up on friday like all of a sudden people are people are noticing finally noticing some of the the sort of like the the almost um that sort of like in group thinking that is just not not it's it's not that we've now i think there is now i feel like there's more adults that are not a part of edu that are noticing you know and not even necessarily parents but there's more people that don't have a stake in the game right now noticing the weirdness that's coming from the ford government mm -hmm. and that that works well for people that don't want his team to have another term mm -hmm. um, i don't know if it'll translate to voting against because that's always that's that next step like are people that are actually pissed off going to vote against him or are they just now realizing that they're pissed off because sometimes mm -hmm. it takes a few more like it's there's some time i'll go back to the kids table it took a long time for me when i noticed that there was something more interesting going on at the kids table for me to actually get up and start walking around to see what that was mm -hmm. i sat in that moment a long time realizing that i wasn't really the kid anymore but i wasn't the adult either so if people right now are just noticing that they're kind of pissed off at ford it could take another turn before they realize that yeah we just we're officially no longer supporting this guy Geez, I really hope that doesn't happen. But it's a sad we, truth. But I think that's that's kind of how these things kind of everybody's flow. free to vote for. That's democracy, right? But mm -hmm. man, what a gong show! Yep. A buddy of mine said to me before the break. I was in a school, and he said to me, "You know what I've realized about all this politics stuff, Roland?" I said, "What?" He goes, "That they those people don't know any more than I know. Like it's not like politicians are these super genius types that are in the know." Like he goes, they're just like me, except we decided that they would represent the rest of us. Yeah. But I know as much as they know, and I know where to go to get information if I need it. And I was like, just nodding my head, like, yeah, well, the Ford government especially just seems like a bunch of bunch of dudes and, and gals hanging around. Uh, you know, we have scientists who inform them and they they are like, Well, that's gonna cost money. So we're not doing that. And you can't yeah. say that because that's going to cost us money. We don't want to spend any money. And then there are all the folks that are like, you know, liberals spend too much and yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But we're in a pandemic. 
we're trying to we're trying to save life we're trying to get through this and it's not a time for penny pinchers it's a time for people to come together and to like do what's right to make sure people survive this thing and when you don't i'm just happy that the truth's finally coming out they just don't care people we got businesses that they need to operate they need to run we can't do that if we can only let five people in at a time because of whatever and people fighting over wearing masks and not wearing masks. I hate wearing a mask, but I understand. And here's another thing. I had this great conversation with someone. So everybody's got an opinion. And here's mine. If you're leading a group or an organization, in my opinion, it is right to err on the side of caution because you are responsible for all these people and their livelihood and their health. And when you make decisions that are not that are not intended to be good for everyone, then you're you're a danger because you're leading a group of people who are listening to you and following you because you're the leader, and they're leading you down a path where you could be harmed. Like I I don't believe I've had people say to me, "Well, so and so shouldn't do that. I want to do it this way." And I said, "Well, you're not running the show." And I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about uh, micro organizations and groups. I say this person's responsible for the health of all of us, and you want them to make rash decisions? No, they need to be calculated. They need to think of the lowest common denominator so we all survive this. It's not the you know um, only the strong survive. If that's the way you're thinking, then you shouldn't be leading because you're going to harm people. And I think when you're in a leadership role. You have to do your best to look at what will harm people the least. That's just my perspective. I think that's, and I think, I think that is what's happening, but to a very um, creepy level, because there's something that, like, everybody, nobody wants anyone to die from COVID, but before that's what we that's we had. It was a binary. You either, when it came to COVID, you either didn't have it and you lived or you caught it and you died. That's, that's kind of where we, we started, I think, with our pandemic um, philosophy, that that was the thing. So we're, we're, and then we sort of moved through these stages of, is it mysterious? Like, how is it transmitted? And we sort of worked through protocol after protocol after protocol, refinement after refinement. And sometimes it felt like we were right in step and doing the right thing. And then other times it felt like, why are we even doing this? Because then we start to see how disjointed the application of protocols were. I think throughout throughout this, though, the fact that we got to a space where people were surviving COVID, but there wasn't um, there wasn't a platform initially that was comfortable for people to speak to that in a broad sense, because I think that it created a a, a weird kind of zero sum kind of thinking that if we started to talk about hope that then that hope would just be dashed and people have posted stuff up like that i've even i have seen okay i'll, I'll backtrack a little bit i have seen people posting up hope as kind of like their word moving into 2022 um but that hope is dual edged because the governments were able to capitalize on that hope so once we started to have i think we you know societies had conversations around survival rates the government was able to pivot to using that information about survival rates to justify return to works 
And I think that's a very, it's, it's, it's a terrible way to continue to come. Like, it's terrible. The idea that we've commodified the hope in that way and weaponized it. The hope has been weaponized to a degree because now it's like, it's hard to have the conversation. It's hard to have a conversation about your own little private pandemic and how terrible it's been for you because there are stories now about, well, but, but, but now there's a chance that you'll survive. Like it, it underestimates, it sort of undervalues the toll of having to sort of go through it because there's survivor numbers now. And that I think in some ways has been the leading edge of why we now are the government's comfortable sending us back to work and even introducing that conversation because, because they've, they've flipped our hope back at us and saying, it's not that we're good now. It's just that it's, it's in that harm reduction phase. And because people are surviving are, we have been successful. We are, we are officially can claim some success of protecting people because we have survivors now and our ICU, you know, the failure of our ICU, um, our ICU stations is no longer the question, right? We're no longer sort of saying, we're no longer talking about ICUs being overwhelmed. I don't know if we're talking about ICUs being any more effective, but it's just, yeah, they've, they've weaponized hope and, that's a that's a true marketing victory for the government and for people not to be sort of like addressing it as such that they've they've used hope to basically flip the script and tell us that it's okay to be back at work and writ written and looked for the science to justify it craziness cluff did, did you see that one thread from um i don't know what his name is i'd have to go back to i think i pushed it out as a perfect post but it was the dude that put together how he perceived the marketing um the pr people i just want to say his name because it was really oh uh jerry i'm gonna guess it's jerry deketville deketville could be um at JDEQ, um, and the initial post is, I've been around the block more than a few times. I've worked with multiple ministers of education. I've never seen spin the way I do from this minister. I can imagine the conversation when writing the guidance memo to boards. Um, and then there's just, there's just every single thing is just, let's use the word guidance as often as possible so people think it actually provides some. Make it confusing and add in lots of verbiage so people don't see the actual message, which is keep schools open no matter what so parents can go to work. And it just goes, he he sort of, it's not a debunk. He's just sort of showing the the operating system for the marketing scheme right now. But as soon as I read that, I'm like, that's what they've done. They've weaponized hope. I would encourage anyone, and I think I, I can, I'll flip it to you if, if you're interested, but it's just, it's a really good string. Um, he's about, basically decoding it. He's totally decoding it and, and pulling, pulling it apart saying, you know, this is how we've been convinced. This was the recipe. This is how it's happened. And looking at the current statements and why we've even, we don't even give it a second thought. I, yeah, it, my perspective is that they just keep changing the rules to make it so that COVID is not a problem anymore. Yeah, even though it is, they just keep changing the rules so that 
it's it's easier for people to be back at work. It's easier for kids to go to school and not feel well. Because that's an age-old thing. Kids have always gone to school not feeling well. Age-old. And then now, with COVID, it was like, no, 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 we really have to make sure you're not here. To the point where the principal's involved, right? Like the principal's like checking your temperature and calling your parents saying, yeah, you got to come pick them up because of this rule, this rule, and this rule. Now those rules are gone. So kids will be back at school not feeling well and passing COVID around like crazy. And teachers will get it and they'll be passing around like crazy too. So this why whole, are we even wearing masks anymore? Like because the conversation isn't around wellness. It's about it's, there's no there's no better there's no broader understanding of wellness. Because one of the truths is if you're sick, stay home. Like that's I think that's a work truth. If you're st- if you're sick, stay home. Now whether or not a family can activate that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether or not a worker can activate that, but Even, I think that's 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 a universal. If you're not feeling well, don't go into out into public where you're going to contribute to somebody else's like that's a whole like that's the reverse of sympathy (laughs) it's it's the opposite of sympathy that's cruelty you know that you're sick enough but here's the thing just because that's the reverse of cruelty or sympathy doesn't mean that people have access to the rational action of not doing it if you have if you if there if you do and it's in its belief systems if you do believe that by not working a day you could lose your job that's reality. If you do believe you can't, you won't be able to get groceries, right? If you do believe that you're going to be penalized in some way, that's reality. Whether it happens or not, it doesn't matter because the reality that you perceive changes your behavior, not the actual reality. It's usually the perception of what's going on that changes the behavior that sort of the actual can be as well, but usually it's the anxiety of what if. So I can't stay home. I can't, I can't keep my kids home. I can't do all these sort of things. You can, but you just might not be able to sort of recover from the outcomes of that decision, right? So this whole, the one thing about COVID that hasn't done is it hasn't improved our understanding of personal wellness. People are reliant on the protocols because I had several conversations around that in the beginning saying, okay, your child is sniffling. Well, we did the board protocol and they were clear then. Okay. And you kind of just go, okay, I guess the kid stays at school then. Now, it, it, whether it's COVID or something else, the kid is still dropping snot all over their table and their mask is completely soaking wet. So just keep providing another mask to keep the mask dry. And this is where it gets weird, right? Because the essence is the the prophylactic nature, just to put another mask on the kid, because what's important is that the mask is dry, not that the kid is making it wet. If we focus on the fact that the kid is making the mask wet in the first place, then we say the kid's sick, they got to go home. If we make it about the mask being dry, well, we have a full supply of masks over here. Just keep giving them another mask. Keep giving them another mask. Keep going. So it's the wrong end of wellness that we've been focused on, I think. Yes. Uh, another a tweet that I saw that caught my attention was around how come this whole time we've not been hearing about exercise, eating better, taking better care of yourself. It goes along the same lines of what you're saying about wellness. How come there is, there hasn't been a message of taking care of yourself? Um, People are asking some good questions and I guess I wasn't paying attention before, but I am now I'm paying attention now. Um, You know, I'm for the science, but I feel like it's being twisted, manipulated I feel like it's being twisted, manipulated because money is the ultimate goal. 
it's not about saving people. It's not about making sure people are okay. Parents can take care of their kids. It's not about any of that. It's about money. And Mm -hmm. I would have more respect for people to just come out and say it like, Hey, teachers, we got to send you back in no matter what, because parents have to work. Okay. Then give me a bubble suit or something like take care of me so that I can continue to help your economy run. They won't say that. They call well, it us also, lazy. They tell yeah. us we don't want to work. Again, dude, I want to work. Just... But dude, you're you're not in the right conversation there. This is where you're speaking a different language because it's not it's not about it's about now living with COVID. And if we if we pursue that, that means like it's okay if you get infected, because we have another mask to give you. Like that's like the giving the kid giving the kid the dry mask because they're snotty is like where you and I are at as workers is just an extension of that mindset. Mm-hmm. The government is okay with everybody being sick with COVID for whatever reason, but that's where it is. I think we're now officially phys- philosophically speaking, they've shifted to a reality that not everybody has. Their reality is people being infected with COVID is inevitable. So we're now going to go, we're going to deal with the, 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 we're not going to deal, we're not going to mitigate that reality anymore. We're not going to argue with that reality. It's a very almost like it's, it's the dark side of stoicism. We're not going to argue with that reality because we now accepted it as reality, even if others haven't. But the individuals that are running the government, if they've accepted that as reality, the only path out of that reality is to vote them out because everything is going to be filtered through that reality. So everything between now and April, May or June, whenever the election is, will be filtered through that reality. It'll be really, it'll be interesting to notice our opportunities to not think in tune with their reality as we go along the ways, because there's going to be a whole lot of stuff. Like, I really don't know how they're going to navigate. I really don't know how they're going to navigate the outcomes of these decisions and keep it aligned with them being reelected. Like that's the, that's the next thing to watch for, right? Forget any new Marvel movie. This is going to be the thing to watch moving forward. Like how do they spin this particular, it's the exact, in some ways it's a, not the exact, it's a similar, it's a similar white knuckle, hold your breath kind of a moment that I think many people were feeling during the last American election that despite despite everything that trump had done people were still holding their breath like yeah but like biden what if like maybe biden can't beat this guy maybe he can't and right up until and even afterwards trump's still hanging on like with claws and questioning it and everything and legislation everything everything that he was still fighting you know do we do we have the tenacity and energy to stay on point with our belief systems, much like how Biden did. Do we have the tenacity and energy to to sort of fight in a way that we're representing our interests, but not becoming Trump, right? Like not becoming that. And I think moving forward, there is, there is a, there's a, there's an equal chance that they can get another term. That, that, that's the reality of politics. And I won't argue that, you know, the roles that we play leading up to that, to keep that from happening. That's the story to watch because what they've done so far, what they've done, um, they no longer get to claim any sort of superhero badges on their chest for navigating, um, 
for navigating COVID and all the protocols. There's like they've now they're now officially a government that's that's had to sort of govern. And one of the things that they just had to manage is COVID as well as everything else. So there's no longer any sort of like there's no polish left on that. Like we're doing pretty good as a government. I don't think anyone's going to credit them with that because now there's bigger picture items like the economy, healthcare, like there's other things that are sort of being that they've had to pay attention to and not just survival and recovery. But there are still many people that are in survival and recovery. Is there enough people in survival and recovery that are they're going to say, yeah, you, you, you mistreated me, so I'm not going to vote you in? Are there ones that recovered and thought, thank God Ford was in control because I wouldn't have survived this any other way? And the last thing I'll just put on this, and this happens time and time again, is people in EDU believing that everyone's teacher. So even individuals that are parents, even individuals that are teachers, we don't know if they're going to vote in step with what you know you and I are talking about right now. We have no assurance. Mm-hmm. You and I right now in the pod, there's no assurance that something within this could trip one of us to vote for Ford. Not for sure. Not 100%. So watching for, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, as, I'm as curious to see how they spin out of this as I am to see Doctor Strange 2 the multiverse of madness Ford and Lecce, the multiverse of madness, probably gonna be the same movie. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Breathe that one out. Happy new year. Happy new year. 2022. Yo. Season five, episode 14 of the decoded podcast. It is pa- until party next pooping. week or party the next, poop until next party, week. Party poop until next week. I love yeah. it. Have a good one. Ciao, man.